Talk podcast, your host and conductor, Andy Smith. City to city, state to state, across the state, across the globe. That's right, it is the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. The conductor picking up passengers along the way. Interviews, sports-related news, and also outside the box. Unsports-related. That's right, it's a new time, it's a new season. Yours truly, Anthony Smith. A-Train Sports Talk podcast. And that show is getting ready to get started. Let's get this train on the track. You're all aboard the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. So glad you can come along for the ride, and man, do we have a lot to get to. I mean, it's been a while since I fired up the engines and took you on the sports journey, but you can guarantee one thing is going to happen. Once you get on here, we're going to take you on a ride. And, of course... Some news that is picking up a lot of steam, especially around this neck of the wood. It's amazing that news in Alabama has a way of getting our attention. Last year, we heard about the Brandon Miller situation and the young man that pulled the trigger that caused someone their life and cost him his career. And if you follow message boards, Twitter, whatnot, there was a particular player who played at Wichita State, and some of the comments he made were, thank you for allowing me to audition for a Power 5 school. And he said, it's my blanking decision. It's mine. It sounds like someone was very unappreciative of the time that he spent here. You know, a lot of people, they come here and they leave, they hit the portal and you'll see, thank you for the time. I enjoyed my time here. Thank you, Shocker Nation. Thank you for the coaches, the, my teammates, we're forever Shockers. You know, the cordial scenes on the way out. But we're dealing with one Jaquan Walton. One fan even tweeted out the second coming of Brandon Miller. Well, your second coming is not coming. Because Alabama stops recruiting Wichita State's Jaquan Walton after arrest. And I'm pretty sure there are some Shocker fans that will take him back. I'm quite sure not. Former Wichita State player Jaquan Walton, who had previously announced plans to transfer to Alabama, has been arrested on a charge of second-degree possession of marijuana. Walton announced his commitment to the Crimson Tide in March, but Coach Nate Oates said that won't happen now. Alabama is no longer recruiting Jaquan Walton, and he will not be a student athlete at the University of Alabama, Oates said in a statement on Monday. A Tuscaloosa Police News release said Walton, 21, and Cameron Deshaun Harris, 21, were arrested late Saturday night after multiple complaints about 
a large number of vehicles at apartment complexes near campus. Officers approached the vehicle and smelled marijuana. Walton told police there was a loaded firearm under the passenger seat where he was sitting, and an officer noticed a rolling tray, a baggie containing some 20 grams of marijuana and a half-rolled blunt in the passenger side floorboard, police said. Officers found two more loaded weapons and another baggie containing 12 grams of marijuana that police said belonged to Harris. Harris and Walt were both charged with second-degree possession of marijuana and released after posting $500 bond. The driver was not charged. In Alabama, as of January 1, a permit is no longer required to carry a concealed handgun or to carry one in a vehicle. The arrest occurred near the spot where Jamia Harris was shot and killed on January 15th. Not a good look. Then Alabama player Darius Miles and his friend Michael Davis were charged with capital murder. Court testimony later revealed that two freshman players on the Alabama team that was the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament were at the scene. Forward Brandon Miller and guard Jaden Bradley have been identified as witnesses, not suspects. Bradley has announced plans to transfer and Miller has declared for the draft and is a projected top five pick. Walton averaged 13.9 points and 5.3 rebounds last season for Wichita State. He had started his career at Georgia and played for Shelton State Community College in Tuscaloosa in the 2021-22 season. So there you have news on former Shocker and, well, was wanting to be an Alabama Crimson Tide. Well, look like that's not going to happen either. So the saga continues for Jaquan Walton. He probably would have been better off staying where he was at. I mean, I even seen some of the some of the tweets, some of his Instagram posts saying, can't wait till you get home and, you know, glad the homie is coming back. And, you know, just a lot of things to me personally that would raise a red flag. Why would you want to go back to trouble? And then why would you want to go to the basically the scene of the crime? To me, it just looks like you're asking for trouble. 32 grams of marijuana, loaded guns, regardless of what the law is. Come on now. You young people, you have to think a whole lot smarter and a whole lot better than that, especially if you have a career ahead of you. Well, that's, I guess that's this new life. Anyway, there is more news on how about Wichita State? Apparently, Wichita State has signed an agreement to play a home and home with DePaul beginning in 2024. Looks like the first game will be for the 2024 season in Chicago, Illinois, and then for the 2025 26 season. It will be here in Wichita. So right now, look like 
a home and home between Wichita State and DePaul. So we're going to be looking forward to that little old series. And hopefully it can extend even beyond that. So it looks like Wichita State is getting some named opponents in the future on their schedule. Hopefully, uh, I know it's looking kind of far ahead, but let's just look at the upcoming season because Max Abmus, I guess that's how you pronounce his name, he's still floating around, and rumor has it that there is a visit to Wichita coming as far as he is concerned, and if anybody knows the documentation, him and Paul Mills have a very tight bond. You know, he's visited Texas, he's visited Kansas State, and the narrative is if he was going to be at one of those schools, he would have already been there by now. So Wichita State fans are still holding out hope that maybe he will sign on the dotted line and follow Coach Paul Mills. However, there has been a signing. As Wichita State signed a freshman out of the NBA African League, says, I'm excited to have Joy be a part of Wichita State basketball. Joy has a terrific skill set combined with great length for a guard his size and will be a force for many years to come. He is a product of NBA Academy Africa where he where his development has made monumental strides. He is being challenged every day by other high-level players who all receive high-level coaching from the academy. More importantly, Joy is a young man of high character who will represent Shocker basketball well on and off the court. Please join me in welcoming Joy to Wichita. And that would be Joy Uviju. Uvija, something like that. I have probably butchered that name more than my share number of times. So Wichita State has signed a player, but we're still waiting the word on Max Abmus. Abmus, however you say it. Uh, I didn't heard it pronounced several different ways, but right now he's one of the most sought-after point guards in college basketball. And it's amazing because when you think about it, in years past, after the NCAA tournament, you're finding things to try to talk about. Well, with the transfer portal and players still floating around out there, there's plenty to talk about. I mean, we're still talking about college basketball. Why? Because of the transfer portal. It's almost like college free agency, so to speak. And until key components land here and land there, we're going to still be talking about college basketball even in the month of April going into the month of May. So I tell you what I'm going to do right here. I am going to take a break. And when I come back, I will have some more for you. So don't you dare go nowhere. Stay seated until the ride is done. The train is just now building up ahead of steam. You're listening to 
Anthony Smith, host and conductor of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. It's time for us all to grow together. So, if you would like to have your ad ran on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, simply reach out to me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or at 316-553-2010. Or, if you would like to sponsor a segment, you can also reach me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or 316-553-2010. So, let's grow together. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. And now, back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Well, once again, welcome back to another segment of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Like I said, a lot to get to, loaded show, and everybody else is talking about it. I may as well jump on board and talk about it too. And glad you're on board while I talk about it. Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Green Bay Packer. Once again, Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Green Bay Packers. Rodgers writes Packers a farewell and says, Heart, always with Green Bay. You know, there's a local radio show that I call into. Uh, Shout out to my boy Felix Johnson, KGSO. You can hear him in the evenings along with Sasha Bushka. And no, they're not paying me to say this. So they're getting free publicity. Sasha, when you hear this, I want some royalties for giving you guys some props on my show. Anyway, there was a Green Bay fan that actually called in on the show. And he basically said it like this. I'm glad he's gone. Good riddance. But Aaron Rodgers will say hello to the New York Jets with an introductory news conference on Wednesday. He said goodbye to the Green Bay Packers in an Instagram post Tuesday evening. What began with a maraud of thank you notes to the late Ted Thompson for drafting him, to his many coaches, teammates, and behind-the-scenes staffers with the Packers, and to the fans, ended with a message that looked to the future. This is not the end for us, Rogers wrote. I will see you again, Green Bay. You always have my heart. Here's this Instagram post right here. I'm not sure it's possible to fully express the gratitude that I have to the At Packers, our incredible fans, the state of Wisconsin, the thousands of players that I cross paths with, the incredible men and women who work for the organization, and the amazing people who I got to meet along the way in one post with 10 pictures, but I hope you read this and feel my heart and soul filled with love, joy, and peace 
about my time in green and gold. I grew up in Green Bay, drafted at 21, fell in love with the game, met some lifelong friends, and take with me memories that will last a lifetime. I'm grateful to the late Ted Thompson for drafting me, for my head coaches, especially the 13 years with Mike McCarthy and the last four with Matt LaFleur. I had some incredible men to work with in the QB room over the years, including Tom, AVP, Luke, and Connor. Huge thank you to my guys in the equipment room. Red, T-Bone, Odia, Kev, Brian, Andy Gruber, all my dear friends in the training room over the years, Nate, Flea, Doc McKenzie, Doc Gray, Pep, and Cuz. The legendary Alan Corzon and his incredible staff, Dougie, Krabby, and Scotty, for always looking out for me. Tom, Nate, Sarah, and Jason in PR. Evan for bringing my work life to film. The Rock and Wayne for giving words to the highlights of my career. Gray and Big Rob for your work with our guys over the years. Bloke, Thad, Grant, and Giz in the weight room. Bob Harlan, Russ Ball, Mark Murphy, Brian Gutenkust for your stewardship of the organization. Every one of the third and fourth floors who make that building run smoothly and so many countless others at the loading dock, tours, concessions, maintenance, our field crew, etc. To the fans, thank you. You made every run out of the tunnel special, every home game magical, and it was my honor to be your QB. To my teammates, I love you all, and I'm thankful for the moments on and off the field that brought us close. I played with legends. I played with friends. Thanks for believing in me and having my back always. This is not the end for us. I will see you again, Green Bay. You'll always have my heart. 12. Hashtag grateful. Hashtag 18 years. The Packers have already said Rodgers will someday have his number 12 retired and his name placed on the Lambeau Field faucet upon his election to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I have so much respect for Aaron, not only the person, but the player that he is. Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst said Monday shortly after the terms of the trade were agreed upon. There is so much gratitude in what he's done for this organization. Gutekunst said he wished he would have been able to speak with Rodgers before he made the trade, but that never happened. Their last conversation came in January shortly after the season. Gutekunst said, recently that Rodgers never returned repeated attempts to reach him. I know this, he'll always be a Packer, Gutenkunst said. He'll be one of the best who have ever done it around here. I have a lot of respect how he went about it, and he'll be missed. There's no doubt about it. Players like that don't come around very often, but at the same time, we're really excited where we're headed and what we're moving to do and wish him nothing but the best. Again, this has got to get finalized before all this is done. Just a lot of, of appreciation for him. Gunnikus was among those Rogers mentioned by name in his post, along with former team president Bob Harlan, current team president Mark Murphy, and team vice president Russ Ball for your stewardship of the organization. Before signing off, Rogers told fans, it was my honor to be your QB.
Moving right along as we shift from the NFL into some NBA. Hawks Trey Young buries three to extend series versus the Celtics. Trey Young had 38 points and drained a long go-ahead three-pointer from beyond the top of the key with 2.8 seconds left to help the Atlanta Hawks cap a late comeback and beat the Boston Celtics 119-117 on Tuesday night. The victory trimmed Boston's lead in the first-round playoff series to 3-2 and sends the teams back to Atlanta for Game 6 on Thursday. John Collins added 22 points for the Hawks, who played without Deontay Murray, who was suspended for one game for bumping official. And I'm not going to even try to say that name, but for bumping an official with his chest while walking off the court after the end of Game 4. Jalen Brown scored 35 points, and Jason Tatum added 19 for the Celtics, who were outscored 37-25 in the fourth quarter. Derek White put the Celtics in front, rather than 17-116, with 7.3 seconds remaining, setting up a final possession for the Hawks. The ball went to Young in the backcourt, who dribbled into the frontcourt and knocked down a 29-footer over Brown. The Hawks hit 19 three-pointers in the game. The Celtics bobbled their initial inbounds pass, and had another chance with 0.5 seconds left, but Tatum's fading three-point try found only error as time expired. Brown, who has been recovering from a late-season facial fracture, went unmasked for most of the Celtics' victory in Game 4, saying he found energy after taking it off during a 31-point scoring night. He wore it again for Game 5 and maintained the same intensity, leading all scores with 23 first-half points and connecting on 10 of his final 13 shots. Atlanta trailed by 13 before tying the game at 111 on a three-pointer by Young. Boston pushed the ball up the court and got the ball to Robert Williams, who dropped in a layup. He was fouled but missed his ensuing free throw. The score was still 113-111 when Young was fouled by Al Horford on the drive to the basket. Tatum took issue with the call and was whistled for a technical foul. Young hit all three free throws to put the Hawks in front, 114-113. Brown turned it over, then misfired on a driving layup. Atlanta's next possession ended in a jump ball that was controlled by Boston. Williams scored on a layup to put the Celtics back in the lead with 25 seconds left. Young was fouled again with 15.8 seconds remaining and connected on two more free throws. The Celtics called a timeout. The ensuing play wound up with White driving to the basket. He was fouled and went to the line for what proved to be the winning free throws. With Murray out, Young picked up the offensive slack and helped Atlanta keep pace early, scoring nine of the Hawks' first 13 points. Keeping with the NBA, some postseason awards. Magic's Paolo Banchero wins NBA Rookie of the Year award. Orlando Magic forward Paolo Banchero was named the overwhelming winner of the NBA's Rookie of the Year award on Tuesday. Banchero dominated the voting, claiming 98 of 100 first place votes and 494 out of a possible 500 points. He was followed in the voting by Oklahoma City Thunder forward Jalen Williams and Utah Jazz center Walker Kessler, with Kessler claiming the remaining two first place votes. Indiana Pacers guard Benedict Mathurin, Sacramento Kings forward Keegan Murray, 
and Detroit Pistons guard Jaden Ivey each received at least one vote. Banchero, the number one overall pick in last year's NBA draft, averaged 20 points, 6.9 rebounds, 3.7 assists this season. He becomes the third Magic player to win Rookie of the Year, joining Shaquille O'Neal and Mike Miller. Banchero led all rookies in points per game, scoring at least 20 points 40 times and scoring at least 30 points six times. Williams, the number 12 pick in last year's draft, averaged 14.1 points, 4.5 rebounds, and 3.3 assists for the Thunder, helping Oklahoma City make it into the play-in tournament where it lost to Minnesota in the 8-9 game. Kessler was originally taken by the Timberwolves with the number 22 pick before being sent to Utah in the Rudy Gobert trade last summer. He averaged 9.2 points, 8.4 rebounds, and 2.3 blocks per game for Utah as the 7-foot-1 center quickly established himself as a defensive force for the Jazz. Banchero follows Laurie Markkinen, who won the NBA's Most Improved Player Award Monday, and several others who were honored last week. Defensive Player of the Year, Memphis Grizzlies forward Jaron Jackson Jr., Clutch Player of the Year, Kings guard De'Aaron Fox, Coach of the Year, Kings coach Mike Brown, and Sixth Man of the Year, Boston Celtics guard Malcolm Brogdon. The the All-NBA defense, All-Defense, and All-Rookie teams, along with the league's most valuable player award, will be unveiled later this postseason. So tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to take another break right here. And when I come back, you know it. This train is still building up steam on a Tuesday evening. This is your boy, your favorite host and conductor on the number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Once again, your conductor, Anthony Smith. Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P, is fully stocked for all your grocery needs. We carry the largest selection of hot links in Wichita, including the world-famous Oklahoma links from Mountain View and Rogers, Kansas links from Yoder, Colorado links from Gold Star as well as national brands such as Siegel and Dietz. Our meat department stocks ribs, pork butts, pork chops, brisket, hams, chicken, hamburger meat, oxtails, buffalo fish, whole catfish and fillets, and much more. In season, we stock hard-to-find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. We have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, and goods, candy, snacks, and drinks. all aboard a train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith once again welcome back to the a train sports talk podcast your host and conductor and i also want to say this before we get started i know i know someone listening to this is like hey where's all the bells and whistles at where's all the music bed and you know all the theatrics whatever you want to call it that make my show what it is? Well, 
let's just say I'm doing this tonight from the confines of my tablet and some high quality earbuds, uh, Skull Candy to be exact, with the C series connection, as if that means anything to anybody. I was told by a couple of ladies out in Vegas, yes, I'm going to mention them, Mel and Mo. I don't know which one it was, but they said if I'm doing it from a phone or a tablet, make sure I don't have no cheap earbuds. And I took their advice, and I've been listening to the playback audio of my podcast in between breaks. So I want to give a shout out to Mel and Mo. They are Girl Chat Sports. They they I believe they do their show every Wednesday, I do believe. So you might want to check them out. I'm giving them a plug because at some point it's gonna happen. I'm gonna have one of them on my podcast. They promised me that. We just haven't been able to get our wires connected, but we will get we will cross paths and that will be one of the most highly listened to and highly anticipated and highly listened to shows of all time. And I've had some good shows, but that one right there, I believe it's going to go through the roof. Mel and Mo, hope you're listening. We're going to make this happen. All right. Girl Chat Sports, check them out. I think they have a slogan that says, we ain't got the balls, but we know our sports. Anyway, look at my final segment. We're going to make it a good one. The SEC works through meaningful discussions on field storming. The meeting took place in Irving, Texas. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said on Tuesday the conference is having meaningful discussions about adjusting its long-standing policy on field storming to address safety issues, and a wide range of options are being considered by a working group. SI.com on Monday reported the SEC was mulling the idea that if fans stormed the field, their team could surrender home field advantage the next time they face that opponent. When asked if forfeiting a future home game was discussed, Sankey said it was identified as a continuum of ideas that also included changing the fines. He says, we can take the fines away, we can leave fines the way they are, he said, speaking to a small group of reporters following the first day of college football playoff spring meeting, we can double fines, we can triple fines, we can quadruple fines, we can set higher standards for visiting teams and officials' protections. You could set some standards where the team exists. There's a whole continuum. Our group is still working. Have they talked about things? Yeah. Did they talk about flipping home games? Absolutely. Does that mean it's going to happen? That's why the membership gets to vote. The working group has not yet put together a proposal on the issue. Sankey said it's possible it could be determined at May spring meetings in Destin, Florida, or it could happen at any point between now and the start of the season. Eventually, we'll make a decision, he said. We can't have unhealthy environments. The SEC has had a policy on field or court storming in place since 2004. The SEC currently fines schools $50,000 for a first offense, then increases it to $100,000 for a second offense, 
and 250000 for each one after that. The fine money is deposited into the SEC Postgraduate Scholarship Fund. I would argue that part of what has to happen is we have to change the culture, Sankey said. I don't think just passing a rule can stop it. People have to stop it. So, we're going to keep an eye on this situation and see what else the SEC can come up with as far as this problem of storming the field and or storming the court. Because like the fines aren't working. If fans are going to storm, fans are going to storm. So, maybe you do have to look at forfeiting a home game, flipping things around. Like, let's say Alabama plays Tennessee and Alabama fans decide to storm the field. Next time they have a home game with Tennessee, that game in essence become a home game for Tennessee. So it remains to be seen. Or maybe if they're really serious about storming the field, just say if your team, if your fans storm the court or the field, you forfeit that game. It goes as a loss in your record book. And the other team is declared the winner. I'm just saying if they're serious about it. I mean, everybody has an opinion about something. I'm pretty sure whoever listens to this, they're going to say, well, maybe they should do it like this. Everybody is going to have an opinion. Anyway, moving on to something I rarely talk, but we do have some baseball news. Luis Garcia and the Astros stopped Ray's 14-game home winning streak. Down in St. Petersburg, Florida, Luis Garcia scattered three hits over six innings and the Houston Astros ended the Tampa Bay Rays 14-game season opening home winning streak, 5-0 on 5-0 on Tuesday night. Only three teams had a longer run than the Rays, who are 20-4 overall. It was a little weird, Tampa Bay manager Kevin Cash said of the first home loss, walking in there at the clubhouse with no music or anything like that. But I'm guessing they'll get the music back on soon. The 1880 Chicago White Stockings, who became the Cubs, so hold the MLB record for the longest season opening home streak with 21. The 1886 Detroit Wolverines had an 18-game stretch while the 1884 St. Louis Maroons of the Union Association won 16 in a row according to the Elias Sports Bureau. The announced crowd for the game between the MLB Best Rays and the defending World Series champions Astros 13-11 and 11 at Tropicana Field was just 9,916. You've got to be freaking kidding me. Here you got the best team in baseball. You got the defending World Series champions in your stadium and you can only muster up 9,916. That is atrocious. That is embarrassing. That is, I, I'm at a loss for words. I'm pretty sure they have a beautiful stadium but nothing looks more uglier than a beautiful stadium. And you only have 9,916 people in the stadium to watch a game. 
and yet these players go out and perform night in, night out to try to make baseball relevant and y'all can't get y'all ought to at least be able to at least get 20,000 people there. 9,000? That's a joke. Y'all, um, you know what? I'm going to go on record and say it like this for Tampa Bay. If y'all can't get no more people in y'all stadium than 9,916, y'all have no right to be griping and complaining. See, I had to watch myself. I was ready to say something else. And I hope this goes viral. I really do. If this is all y'all can muster up at home games, y'all do not deserve to have a franchise. And the first minute the owner talks about relocating the team, Shut the hell up. Straight up. Don't say a word. Don't act like you want to support the team and you can only put 9,000 bucks in the stands. Come on, that's a joke. Y'all don't deserve to have a profet. I bet you, I'm right here in Wichita, Kansas. We have a brand new stadium, about three, four years old, whatever the case may be. We play double-A uh, baseball. I'm pretty sure if Tampa Bay came to Wichita and played a game, it'd be a packed house. It'd be a sellout. It'd be a sellout to the capacity that they would have to transport Tyler Field where Wichita State play to make it doable, you know, to for the capacity that would be there. They would have to find a way to combine two baseball stadiums, Riverfront Stadium and Tyler Field because that's how much support there would be for the Tampa Bay Rays if they were to come to Wichita and play a game. That is embarrassing. Anyway, let me move on past that because that's not even my team and I'm getting worked up. Garcia, 2-2, two two, struck out 7, walked 2, and allowed just one runner to reach scoring position. The right-hander was coming off a start last Wednesday in which he gave up two hits over seven shutout innings in an 8-1 victory over the Toronto Blue Jays. I bet that could get more than 9,000 people in their stadium. Garcia, he was great, especially against a hot team and a very good offensive team, Houston manager Dusty Baker said. He had command of every pitch. Tampa Bay entered the game outscoring its opponents 157 to 64. The Rays were held homerless for the second consecutive game after going deep 48 times during an MLB record 22 straight to begin a season. It was the first time the Rays have been shut out this season. Phil Maton, Rafael Montero, and Ryan Presley combined to finish a five-hitter. Well, that will conclude this portion of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. I hope you have really enjoyed this journey. Feel free to leave comments. I will relish all comments. I cherish them. I treasure them. 
Give me feedback. Let me know what you'd like for me to talk about, and I'll do my best to talk about it. But until the next time, enjoy yourself. Enjoy the rest of this week. I will fire this engine back up again sooner rather than later. But once again, A Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Until next time, God bless. I'm out.